Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning. Good morning, my people. Good morning. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. It is the 18th of January, 2022. Where in the word are you today? I am in Psalm 103. So I'm going to read the opening verses and then I'm going to read um, verse 22. And I'm going to encourage us to consider. Let's just consider where we are because we are in God. Like this this is going to change your per- perception, perspective on the day. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your life with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. For as far as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Friends, where in the word are you today? I'm in Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Why? Why praise the Lord? What's so special about him? Well, he forgives all our sins. He heals all our diseases. He redeems my life from the pit, and he crowns me with his love and his compassion. Do you feel crowned today? Like that not only are you covered in Christ— Not only are you covered in love, but you're crowned with compassion. What would it look like for us to wear a crown of love and compassion into the world today? What would it look like for you and I, as the people of God in the world today, to live as agents of this grace, as ambassadors of this king and this kingdom, crowned with love and compassion. The psalm goes on, Praise the Lord, O my soul, who satisfies your life with good things. I want you to consider today all of the ways in which God is satisfying your life with good things. It's not just at Thanksgiving that we should make a list of our blessings or count our blessings or give thanks to God. It's every day for everything in every direction. The psalm goes on, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. And then the part that maybe we know the best because there's, you know, songs written about it. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love for those who fear him. And then this one, 
As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. I want you to think about that for a moment. Just how far is the east from the west? Not, you know, the eastern seaboard from the western seaboard of the United States of America. Not, uh, you know, east to west on a particular interstate highway. Not even the far east to the far west in terms of the way we think about the geography of the globe. No, no. As far as the east is from the west in the expanse of the infinite universe. So far has God removed our transgressions from us. That covers it, my friends. That covers it. You're covered today with a crown of love and compassion. We're going to talk with Nick Pitts about some things going on in the culture and even the culture wars. Hey, if you are a parent and you were going to write a Bill of Rights as a parent, what kinds of things would be on your Parents' Bill of Rights. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. is back. You can find him at the Institute for Global Engagement. You can also find him on Twitter at JNickPitts. Nick, welcome back. Hey, Carmen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Let's start with um, let's start with parents in America and let's start with a conversation about um, a proposed parents bill of rights. I recognize that this is being debated in Missouri, but you know, this kind of thing has to start somewhere in terms of a national conversation. So what's going on in Missouri? What are parents looking for and why do we need this kind of conversation in America today? Yeah. So in Missouri right now, house bill 1995, it's sponsored by a Republican, uh, Doug Ritchie. It's essentially establishing this parents bill rights for student well-being and it's going to codify a variety of parental rights relative to knowing what your student is learning inside the classroom what's being taught what books are being recommended and probably the most stinging or i think the most telling um, quote out of this is from richie he says quote it's not about blowing apart public education it's not to disparage public education it's about trust, close quote. Um, we're increasingly living in a distrustful age. And as of late, over the past two to three years, we're starting to see an uptick in the amount of um, uh, in the desire for parents to know more about not only what their students learning, but how they're learning it as well. And, and so we're starting to see an increase in involvement of parents and their students' education. Yeah, so I think that part is great. I know we have teachers listening right now who um, are immediately going to be concerned that, you know, this is uh, this is parents meddling. This is actually parents getting into business that's that's technically the business of um, of the public school. And so let me just say right here and right now, Nick, Nick and I are not disparaging public education, public school teachers, public school administrators. I, I get it. I'm a product of the public school, but I'm a product of the public school from a long time ago, like in a place far, far away. So it's seems. Um, and Miss Chestnut and Miss Bickle and Miss Mabry, um, I can tell you 
were not advocates of what we would now call critical race theory. And and I can tell you that it doesn't matter what Miss Chestnut, Miss Bickle, and Miss Mabry were actually teaching as curriculum. They were the curriculum. And so let me say to those of you who are listening who are public school teachers or public school administrators, coaches, counselors, on and on and on, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you. We need you. We respect you. We value your place. Um, uh, we, we recognize the difficulty of what you're doing. We also recognize not every parent is engaged in the ways that we're talking about. Um, and, you know, and we recognize you are the curriculum. So thank you for being a person of positive character in that child's life or in children's lives. Um, what we're talking about is a system that has increasingly barred or blocked the input, participation, um, and even information dissemination to parents who want it. This is about, I, I, think, I, I think people are going to be surprised that they don't currently have these rights, like that this is something that has to be established. So some things we've taken for granted, Nick, um, eventually have to be concretized in law um, mm-hmm. because not everybody agrees on what the standards are. Is, is that essentially what's going on here? Yeah, I think one of the things I think every teacher and I would just echo your comments. Um, I, I had a hashtag when I finished up grad school. I wanted to show my appreciation to teachers, one, that were uh, that had a part in my educational experience, but also two teachers that were watching. And I and I started just 23 days for all 23 years that I was in school of expressing my gratitude to teachers because teaching Nick was the pits. It was a difficult experience, but I, uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I finally, I finally got through because teachers were willing to take take advantage and, and really willing to personalize curriculum and help me to better understand the material. Not just teaching me for the test, but teaching me how to think. And I'm exceedingly grateful for it. And I think most teachers that are listening right now would welcome many of the changes that are happening in Missouri. It's inviting parents into in, into their students' learning experience. And we we know that when parents are we know that when parents are engaged in a school system, the the school rate is the tide that raises the boats. When parents are involved in their in the, in their child's learning, not only does it raise the boats of not only their child but also all children. Now, there's going to be some that are pushing back because a lot of this is around the the nebulous and ambiguous concept that we use called critical race theory and what is it, what isn't it. Um, and they're saying this might have a chilling effect on it. But at the end of the day, what this is just asking us to do is it's a learning experience for us to better clarify what's being taught in the schools and how we can come alongside and support teachers in, in the shared objective goal of helping students better be prepared to lead for tomorrow. All right. So um, at some point, Nick went to college and at some point I did, too. Um, The students who are applying and going to college today. Let's see. I can talk about my niece, Mia, who is at Clemson, having a wonderful time in the snow. um, And my nephew, Larry, who just got his first college acceptance letter. Um, College applicants come to find out lie about nearly everything. Um, We're going to talk with Nick uh, here in just a moment about what in the world is going on with the college admission or application process and why so many students across America are lying on their applications as things as easy to research as their parents. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I can assure you there was nothing remarkable about my college entrance um, essays. 
There you go. That's the confession of Carmen. Nick <laughs> Pitts is here. Uh, you can find him at the Institute for Global Engagement. You can also find him on Twitter at JNickPitts. Um, remind us, Nick, where you went to college and how did you get in? Oh, me. Oh, my. Carmen, I was hoping you were going to ask that question. So I'm here in Texas now, originally from Tennessee. And for your listeners in Tennessee or those that are aware of the college, Austin P. State University. It's around 10,000 10, students located right outside of Nashville in Clarksville, Tennessee. And in at Austin P to bring the crowd together and to uh, and to show our solidarity with the the sports team, we would often chant "Let's go P" um, was a common <laughs> refrain. But I have found when I chant "Let's go P" here in Texas, it is a imprudent invitation that is not heeded well. Um, so nevertheless, I, all right, don't I drive off the road. Don't drive off the road. Okay, so I know you're <laughs> laughing right now, teaching Nick is the pits and now we're chanting Austin P. I don't know this. The, so uh, for those of you Googling um, P is P E A Y Austin P. Um, so uh, I went to the university of Florida. It was my fallback position. I, I was in Florida. I had a hope scholarship to go to the university of Florida um, simply because of, you know, having jumped through all the necessary hoops. I don't even remember writing um, an essay to get in. I probably didn't write an essay to get into the University of Florida. That's probably not how that worked. Um, I failed to get into my uh, preferred schools, which I'm sure did require essays to be written. And, you know, I don't remember trying very hard um, in terms of those. So maybe that's why I went where I went. Tell us what's going on. Apparently, students are lying about almost everything um, in their uh, in their college entrance process. Yeah, so you know, uh, probably I'd say probably five or ten years ago, we started to see this uptick and increase in desire for students to be able to show how they have overcome in this world today. I was I was really kind of uh, perked on to this, I guess you could say, probably uh, a, a few years back when I had a good friend that was applying to business school and asked me to help them. And uh, this this good friend who has the kindest of heart and I'm just a, a, a great friend, um, I found him, found him. He was writing about how he overcome overcame this trouble in middle school of being outside of the preferred circles and thought to myself, I can't believe this individual is writing an essay about having to overcome obstacles in middle school friendship clicks because that's the entrance like that's required of the entrance exam now obviously that is an extreme example but essentially what colleges are doing today is they're trying to show they're trying to end they're trying to find students and and really impressing upon students to appeal to their victim mentality how has the system wronged you and in turn how are you working to overcome the wrong by the system so here's one of the challenges i think christians face in this process. If I were going to write that essay, I, it would be one way. It would be a one word answer because I didn't overcome anything. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my, I mean, I'd be a one word, uh, one word essay. That'd just be Jesus. That'd be it. And so, see, I'm not going to get into any sort of prestigious uh, institution with that kind of answer. Like, I actually think this robs Christians of, of being able to authentically share 
uh, about transformation that takes place that's not dependent on them. I mean, if you don't write about yourself in the most, I mean, these kids, they buy patents. They, their parents get stuff that they've written self-published to make, make it look like they've been published by a legit, legitimate, you know, publishing house. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm, uh, they they lie about all kinds of things. They even lie in some cases about whether or not their own parents went to college, which is just not hard to research. Um, well, I guess they're counting on schools not doing the kind of uh, due diligence. Um, I mean, I, I guess that they're fact checking them. Um, but when I think about Christian kids and I think about you know, forcing them to participate in this kind of a process, right, where you have to highlight the trauma, you have to highlight the brokenness, you have to highlight, like, it's it's one upsmanship of, like, the reverse worst kind. Let me see what kind of horrible, horrific thing I could chronicle to you, and then I could tell you how, you know, by my own personal whatever, I overcame it. And first of all, it's not true. It, and second of all, it robs God of, like, his his act of grace by suggesting yeah. that we did all this ourselves. Yeah, there, there's two components that are playing here. One is the dictum that we've many of us grew up in a world in which our parents prepared us for the road and not the road for us. And we've seen this movement toward parents wanting to prepare the road for the child instead of the child for the road. And in turn, um, because they haven't had to face an over uh, a difficulty, they're taking creative license with the truth in an, in order to show their victim mentality on their college applications. We're starting to see this victim mentality begin to move um, in a way that it's really the third iteration we've seen in American history of how Americans are appealing to power. In the beginning, Americans appealed to power through their dignity. What have I done? What have I done in and of myself to be able to show that power and credibility? The second was a dic- uh, an honor culture in which you appealed to the systems. Um, what, what colleges did I go to? What institutions was I a part of? And that really was an opportunity to yield power. And so we've moved from a, an honor culture to a dignity culture now to a victim culture where the power is found not in the systems, but how the systems wronged you. And when you've been prepared for when instead of being prepared for the road, the road was prepared for you. You have to take creative license like we see in this article as to how you have overcome. And the reality, like you said, is as Christians, we're not victims, we're victors in Christ. He's always leading us from grace to grace and to victory, being a fragrant aroma for the world around us. That's so good. That's so good. All right, I'm going to have a conversation with my kids today about um, being prepared for the road versus preparing the road for them. And we're going to go drive on all the new potholes. I'm telling you, Nick, it's just crazy, right? There's like tons of new potholes out there. And I can either prepare you to navigate that or or I can go fight with the government about filling in all those potholes so that your way will be all smooth and, you know, and and fine. Right. I mean, I'm I I got I got a whole lot more influence in my own house teaching you how to navigate the potholes um, than I do. Uh, you know, cha- changing the world so that you you get to drive around in a world with no potholes. Yeah, which doesn't that. exist, by the way. <laughs> um, it definitely doesn't exist in Dallas. I, you can say no, that again. Right. Especially like after the whole snow and ice event. Did you notice that like our asphalt is not as good as the asphalt up north? There's just no, no. question about it. They have better asphalt. I don't know. That's a might be a little jealous of that. All right, Nick, we got to <laughs> leave it right there. Blessings. We love you. Um, we'll talk with you again soon. Thank you for helping us see the culture we live in 
helping uh, us see ourselves in it and, you know, and reminding us of who we are as Christians in the midst of it. We really appreciate it. It's so great to be with you, Connor. Likewise. That's Nick Pitts. You can find him at the Institute for Global Engagement or on Twitter at J Nick Pitts. We'll be right back. Sometimes when I'm uh, preparing for our conversations together, God brings things to mind. And this morning, one of the things that God brought to mind was the Star Spangled Banner. And so I got thinking about that, and I got thinking about Francis Scott Key, um, which, of course, led me to do a little bit of research. And um, I'm not sure that I was aware. In fact, I'm sure I was not aware that Francis Scott Key wrote a bunch of hymns um, in addition to writing what we know as the Star Spangled Banner in 1814. Um, Francis Scott Key, who was a profoundly devoted Christian, um, wrote a bunch of hymns as well. And one caught my attention this morning. Before the Lord we bow. Before the Lord we bow, the God who reigns above and rules the world below, boundless in power and love. Our thanks we bring in joy and praise. Our hearts we raise to heaven's high king. The nation thou hast blessed may well thy love declare from foes and fears at rest protected by thy care for this fair land for this bright day our thanks we pay gifts of thy hand it goes on i encourage you to uh to check it out um we're gonna talk with luke moon about some things going on around the world there was a um breaking news this morning the jerusalem post um just had this one line according to an intercept from the russian pacific fleet Russia, Iran, and China are making active plans to hold joint naval drills. There will be more on that, I'm sure, in the coming days. Iranian-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen have claimed responsibility for a drone attack yesterday that killed three people uh, at the Abu Dhabi oil facility and caused a fire in the city's international airport. North Korea conducted yet another missile test on Monday. This is the fourth one since uh, the new year. And... um, The media is reporting two ballistic missiles hit an island target in the East Sea of Korea. So not uh, so I think we'll start there. Let's start there. Um, Bombs bursting in air with Luke Moon next. How many screens do you have in your life right now? Let's see. TV, phone, tablet, computer. That's a lot of screen time. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. I do a lot of my work on a laptop, and I connect with friends over phone and through texting. So, I'm a big fan of technology, but there's a time to turn it all off. We all know it's true, but it's tough to set technology aside. Hey, hit the off switch. Do something old-fashioned with your child. Go bowling, take a walk, grab coffee, play a board game, have a meal together without always checking your cell phone. It doesn't matter the activity you choose. What's important is the intentional interaction. Turn off the screen and look your child in the eye. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Check out his latest resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet they'll cast their golden crowns. Our friend Luke Moon is back. You can find him at the Philos Project. You can also find him at Providence Magazine, providencemag.com, philosproject.org. Luke, good morning. 
Good morning, Carmen. All right. So if if I said nobody cares about the Jews, we'd have a word for that. <clears throat> if I say nobody cares about the Uyghurs, do we have a word for that? Um, I, you could almost call it honestly. You could almost call it Islamophobia. Okay, so the reason that Luke and I are having this conversation is that a co-owner of the Golden State Warriors, which happens to be a basketball team, um, <clears throat> an NBA team, the, one of the co-owners of the team said on a podcast out loud what something that apparently you know is true in silence. Nobody cares about what's happening to the Uyghurs. So I thought this morning we would demonstrate that we do care what's happening about the Uyghurs. Remind us who the Uyghurs are and what's happening to them. So the Uyghurs are a Muslim-majority uh, people group in northern China. Uh, they are in a province that that uh, is, you know, it's, it's basically the majority of that population lives in, in one major province in China. Uh, and the Chinese government has systematically over the last decade been uh, squeezing that population to, you know, forced sterilization, uh, imprisonment. There's concentration camps. There's uh, and, and also relocating Han Chinese, which is the majority people group of China, into that area and, you know, building homes and, and kind of basically ethnically cleansing uh, that province in China. And, uh, you know, it's a, there, there's lots of reports over the last several years of just really nasty atrocities, uh, gang rapes, um, like I said, concentration camps, mass incarceration, the kind of stuff that, you know, and then family separation. <laughs> yeah. That, that, uh, you know, Anybody looking at the news be like, wow, that sounds terrible. That we shouldn't we shouldn't be you know, supporting anybody who's doing that. And yet here we are. Yeah. So um the the re education of of children, separation of families, um concentration camps, forced sterilization, as you said, these are stories that we know. They're stories that um people have um fled and been able to share like we know this stuff we actually have pictures we actually have survey i mean like satellite surveillance and and these people have told us themselves what's happening and yet as this nba warriors co-owner says nobody cares um is he right when he says nobody cares um because there are people who do care i'm sure but then i think the larger conversation is what does this tell us about sort of the place that we hold in terms of influence related to the behavior of the Chinese government? Well, I mean, one of the things, when I heard him say that, I was like, honestly, he, he's, he's actually right, right? Because, because, I mean, obviously some people care, you and I care, but like the, you know, the people who are running the MBA, the MBA, the, the um, you know, Tesla and, Xerox and Intel and Google and like they don't care. They don't care because they see a market of a, over a billion people that are materialists and ready to spend, spend, spend. And they look at the money and they, they're following the money. And and here's the reality. Here's the sad reality is that uh, this is actually common for 
genocides around the world, nobody really actually ever cares that much. Uh, I mean, there's, I mean, going back to the Armenian genocide, still to this day, the the Turkish government will not acknowledge it, and it has taken until this last year, uh, you know, over a hundred years for the U.S. government to acknowledge it uh, officially. Why? Because mm. we're worried about the our air base in Turkey. We're worried about uh, it's an, it's a NATO ally. So it's it's this is actually the normative position is that nobody cares. And occasionally, occasionally, some atrocity rises to the level where it gets the attention of of you know the enough people to where like you know the kind of the forces are marshaled but we're not there we're not there because everybody who is in runs an international company is looking at at china with dollar signs in their eyes like you know back in the day with the bugs bunny cartoons where it's like you know the the eye, the eyes pop out of the head, and there's dollar signs. That's 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 how that's how every international businessman or businesswoman is looking at China. Not everyone, of mm. course, but you know what I mean. Mm. Um. All right. Let's. Um. I mean, no, it's hard to say. Let's jump from there to something else. But I think we have <laughs> to, right? Like I this is part of the. Chi- one, one, one more point, though. It's like yeah. What's what's so pathetic, though? Like what is is the immediate follow up question was should have been so so why do you care about human rights here in the US? Mm. So yeah. why are you so concerned about mass incarceration in America? You right. know, why are you putting hashtags on the back of your jerseys? Right? I mean it's clear that like you you're you're clearly pandering to You're choosing. You're choosing the, a exactly, exactly. yeah. There's no consistency. And it, like I would, I would give the guy uh, a pass, some degree, mind you. But if he was like, uh, yeah, yeah, nobody cares, and and then when he was pressed on that, he's like, actually, I really don't care about that either, right? Then he would be like, okay, you're consistent, you're you're a jerk, but you're you're a consistent jerk, right? But but instead, it's like, it's like they the the look away from actual genocide. Uh, and, 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 you know, paper the backs of, of all of their arenas and their jerseys and stuff with, with symbols of justice and hope and like, we're going to do this. Right. And it's, it's just so pathetic to me. Just so pathetic. Mm. All right. So that's a really good perspective. Um, we are going to pivot just slightly to North Korea. Um, we're going to um, we're going to talk about this uh, right after the right after a very brief break. North Korea launched two short range ballistic missiles off its east coast just yesterday. Um, and these exercises mark the fourth such show of force by Pyongyang over the past two weeks. Um, and so we're going to talk about here's going to be the words for the day, potentially hypersonic missiles. Yeah, I had to look it up. We'll be right back. You say come to All right. 
right, bombs bursting in air. That is a part of our national anthem. It is the line that got me thinking this morning as I was reading in on the situation with North Korea on January the 5th. Uh, the DPRK, which is the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, tested a hypersonic missile um, that they claimed precisely hit a target more than 430 miles from its launch site. Last week, the South Korea Joint Chiefs of Staff said it detected another missile, a variety more advanced than the one reported earlier in the month, and it was headed toward the Sea of Japan. Uh, And initial reports from South Korea indicate that that missile traversed more than 435 miles and reached a velocity of 7,673 miles per hour, 10 times the speed of sound. So we're talking about hypersonic missile technology, and we're talking about it in the hands of the North Koreans. Luke. Well, it's it's bad news all around. I mean, the thing about those hypersonic missiles, and, and you know, China tested one uh that went into outer space and came back down or just below outer space. Right. And came back down. And, and the thing about those is that it's less about, you don't have to worry about really, uh, you have to, we don't have to worry about it, but the, the payload is less important than the fact that it is going very, very fast. Right. And so when it hits the object that it's intending to hit because of the speed by which it's going, the impact is massive. Right. And, and that's that seems to be the the cutting edge uh, tech and and China has been working on that clearly um, North Korea has been working on that I mean they share a border it wouldn't surprise me if occasionally they share a few uh, bits of of knowledge here and there um, and and it 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 really should concern. What I what I haven't heard is is about you know the the U.S. Uh, work on on hypersonic uh, missile technology, but you know maybe we maybe we're like so cutting edge that you know we oh that's old old news. But I, I'm I'm concerned because what I see in our military is is actually more concern uh, over um, you know. Uh, how many how many rainbow flags are on the patches um, than than how many uh, you know th- than focusing on on the the real threats to America? So apparently in the world uh, there are only three nations with verified hypersonic weapons technology um, that's been tested and proven on a world stage. Those are Russia, China, and the United States. So there you go. Now, now North Korea. Um, (laughs) So now North Korea. So, you know, um, the thing is, like, they also North Korea also has, you know, this issue, uh, like, you know, there was (laughs) so many ways that sentence could go. Wait a second. Wait a second. There's so there's so many ways that sentence could go. North Korea also has some other issues. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's true. They also have concentration camps. They have brutal regimes. For they, they don't have a lot of money, so therefore the NBA doesn't give, doesn't care about them. Well, they didn't care about them either. But nevertheless, I the the um no it it there's a lot of you know right now the focus is coming up with the Olympics and the weakness of the Biden administration. I mean, we we said this really from day one that. These nations are going to test Biden's will. What is he going to do? How does he respond to stuff? And, uh, you know, honestly, he responds as many people have feared. I mean, Bob Gates, former U.S. uh, 
defense secretary, you know, famously said that Biden is has been con- so consistently wrong on on foreign policy that like the most in, like the, the 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 senator that was the most wrong consistently. And uh, now he's the president. And it's unfortunate that we're coming into the Olympics because I think that's going to lead to a lot of other like nations are going to use the focus of the Olympics as a distraction to mm-hmm. uh, change, change, change the map of the world. And I mean that literally. Yeah. And that's going to have us have an eye on Russia for sure. Hey, for those of you who heard us, um, we were not making light of uh, the concerns that we have for the people of North Korea. Please don't uh, please don't hear um, the way Luke and I are talking about issues in any way other than respectful of the people involved. Like we get that. But you also reach a stage in the conversation where you recognize that um, it's the response or the failure of response of the global community is sometimes laughable. All right, let's talk about what um, happened this weekend uh, at a synagogue in Texas, clearly related to people inside being Jewish. Um, But that was uh, that part of the storyline was deflected for a period of time. For people who haven't heard, Luke, um, give us give us maybe the outcome of this conversation and why we're talking about a particular um, person who is in U.S. custody, who most people listening to this show will have never heard of. Right. So on Saturday, a, a man who, who appeared to be homeless uh, made his way into a Jewish synagogue. Uh, one of the things that you should know about synagogues is they tend to have a lot of security. You have to push on a doorbell to be let into another breezeway and then get let in and security. So he 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 made himself appear to be homeless to appeal to 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 be able to get entry into this synagogue and then promptly took um four members of the synagogue hostage uh one was the rabbi and, and three members uh that that hostage situation lasted for for about uh 11 hours and and his demand was the release of you know, a a, a, a woman terrorist uh, that is, is nicknamed Lady Al Qaeda because she was so like wanted in terms of for her for her skills and talents as a as a uh, as a scientist. She was wanted the, the 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 Taliban tried to recruit her. ISIS tried to recruit her. But Al Qaeda had her, you know, and, and it was like she was she was the hot object. For, for for the terrorists and and she is um, in custody serving an 86 year sentence uh, for for uh, the attempted killing of American service members and um, and so this this uh, terrorist was demanding her release the thing is that she herself is a raging anti-semite I mean she she fired her her defense team because one of them was Jewish and demanded that the jury at her trial uh, take DNA tests to prove that none of them had any Jewish blood in them. Right. That's the kind of nut job anti-Semitic mentality that that this lady operated under. And the terrorists who, who took over the synagogue wanted her, uh, you know, won her free. And, did we do that? And, did we did we force people to take DNA tests in order to I, serve no, on a jury? Yeah, we didn't. We oh. didn't. We didn't. 
We oh, didn't. No, but goodness. that was her demand. I mean, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Because, yeah. you know, she was yeah. demanding a jury of her peers, I suspect. And I right. mean, if you were going to press the constitutional law question, yeah. she was demanding a jury of her peers. Don't have anybody any ideas, Carmen, as that, that we don't I'm just need to. I know. So, so, here's, so here's the good news. Can we do the can we do the good news outcome of the whole thing? All right. You tell the good news. No, but nobody died. Oh, well, that's yeah. not true. The I'm I'm so sorry. The person um, who took them as hostages, this terrorist who is uh, a, a British man, he his life um, was lost at the end of this standoff. But my favorite part of this story is that the whole thing ended when the rabbi picked up a chair and threw it at the guy, and the three remaining hostages fled through an exterior door. That's my favorite part. So I feel like Charlie, the rabbi from Colleyville, um, Texas, has a future in front of him if he wants to speak publicly about anything, because he's going to be the, I threw a chair at an international terrorist, and I won. That's, yeah. It's, it can really, that if he's not a bumper sticker, it, but it, it's close. And, uh, if he's not on Saturday Night Live this week, they're doing it wrong. That's right. all I have to say. Right. All right, Luke, we got to leave yeah. it right there. As always, um, yeah. thank you so much for helping us see what's going on around the world, um, reminding us of who we are in Christ. It's all his. He's Lord of all of it. One day, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Today is not yet that day. Luke, um, my brother, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. You, Likewise. That's Luke Moon. You can find him at the Philos Project. You can also find him at Providence magazine. We'll be right back. All right. I uh, love that you guys are texting with me this morning. You know, you can text anything during the show. 877-933-2484. My, uh, my sweet colleague, Susie Larson, has a live stream event coming up on the 28th of January. That's just 10 days away. If you haven't registered for that yet, uh, she's going to help us discover some healthy habits, healthy life, physical and spiritual disciplines that last. You can register for that at MyFaithRadio.com. Um, and let me see, what else are we doing? Are we still, I think we're still giving away. I think, I'm pretty sure it's still January. That's only the middle of the month. We're still giving away copies of Prevail. It's a 365 day devotional about God's enduring strength. And it is also, um, written by Susie Larson. So we're giving away four copies every week this month. If you haven't already done so, or maybe you've done so in a prior week and want to do so again, you can register to win a copy of Prevail at MyFaithRadio.com. So there you go. A little giveaway here in the opening hour. All right, we have another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. We're going to continue doing what we do. If you're new with us, you're just joining us, welcome. We bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day as we prepare ourselves in this light of mutual experience of discipleship to enter into the world that God so loves and to do so in ways that honor Jesus. Thanks for uh, being here and walking with us in this journey. More on the journey ahead. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.